Oh my god, it's so hot. It is very, very, very hot. It's very hot for Washington. But let's that's <laughs> that's true. We're all whining. It's like maybe well, hundred. Yeah. I mean that's hot. When we're used to seventy like yeah. our hot summers, it's like eighty max, so <laughs> Yeah. Ninety is when it starts to get like, man, I need to move or something. Well, especially in Alaska. In Western Washington, you know. In eastern Washington, of course, but here it's not just the heat, it's also the humidity. Yep. That's true. That's yeah. what they always say. Well, welcome to the Co-Hops Podcast, uh, Summer Heat Wave Edition. Uh, this is that needs a retro wave theme around it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is episode fourteen, uh, not counting our E three special uh, that recorded recently, released little little a while ago. Um, I'm Nick, and today I am joined by Zach. Hello. And Garrett. Hi. No sexy Garrett today. He's too 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 exhausted. Yes, too tired, too allergied. Yeah, every, all of the above. So I apologize for the sniffles that that Zach doesn't edit out and uh, <laughs> my weird voice. Oh, it's fine. Uh, to to kind of keep us refreshed in this summer heat, uh, Zach brought a pair of beers that I'm particularly excited about. Yeah, these were a suggestion from a friend. Um, he sent me a picture of them and said, you know, hey, you got, you should try this out. And I said, that looks like a great one for the show. So uh, these are Radlers from Stiegel Brewing uh, out of Austria. Interesting, this brewery uh, has been around since 1492, and it is the biggest uh, private brewery in Austria, which I was doing some research for, for this episode, and I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a long time to be around making beer. Very long time. That's funny timing too, because uh, I I have talked about it. I'm a big Formula One fan, and the race going on this weekend uh, and the next weekend, uh, uh, which would would be the last weekend um, when you're hearing this, uh, was in Austria. So uh, at the Red Bull Ring, which has a giant copper Red Bull statue at it, which is pretty awesome. Um, so I definitely funny picked timing. this because I knew that, of course. Uh-huh, absolutely. <laughs> F1 aficionado, Zach. Yeah, exactly. Knows knows about all, all the happenings. Uh-huh. All the drivers. So these uh, these are Radlers. So this is, I, I'd never heard of these before. So what they are is it's uh, 40% beer and 60% fruit soda. And the beer that's used is uh, the Stiegel Goldbrow uh, Lager, which is, I guess... Uh, pretty uh, famous or popular in in Salzburg, and then um, we've we've got two today. So I, I picked two um, flavors. We've got uh, lemon and raspberry. Yes, Zitron and him beer, which I guess makes Zitron her beer by default. Uh, which one are we starting with? By the way, it's uh, odd that we have a double feature. Yeah, I drank the lemon first. Um, okay, and man, it, ooh, that is tasty. It's um, my taste buds are currently muted, which I am very upset about <laughs> because oh, no. I, I if I can taste a little bit of lemon through this, I bet it this tastes great. So it's um, really good. If you have a cold and you happen to be drinking alcohol, which is not a good idea, or if you have allergies, uh, this the taste still comes through. 
Yeah, it's strongly lemon. I can taste the the lager. Uh, I would be really curious to try this separately uh, without the the juice in it because it is fantastic with the juice in it. But I uh, I think I would like the beer underneath it too. Yeah, I was thinking the same. I, I want to look and see if I can find some of this uh, this gold brow uh, is what it, what it's called in. Uh, something so when i was looking at their website i was trying to figure out what kind of beer goldbrow was because all it says uh for the description is full beer and so i googled oh, full beer not a half i just beer. got i just got pictures of beer <laughs> just <laughs> okay <laughs> i was like all right well that's helpful yeah i don't know so, if, i don't know what i expected <laughs> i ended up uh, going to like uh, beer advocate and untapped and some of these other places and they all listed it as a logger so there you go i just hear like a, a like a hacker anthem and zach like clicking away at his keyboard trying to research <laughs> beers yeah it, it's funny i recently started grad school and one of the things i'm learning about is how to use search engines properly <laughs> so oh, there you go but let me know next time i'll help you out now, uh, I did want to say before we move on from this, uh, so I think we're going to do uh, more, uh, you know, I can't imagine these are going to last long because they are, uh, it's hot and these are, are very uh, refreshing. Refreshing but and also, delicious. they are only 2%, so. Oh, okay. So this will be a more lucid episode than usual. Yeah, I can't imagine like the, the combination Damn it. of. <laughs> How could you betray me like this? <laughs> You were just saying alcohol is bad for a cold. It's just allergies. It's not a cold. <laughs> do you? Do either of you know what the uh, what the the percent of ABV that needs to be for a non-alcoholic beer? <laughs> no. Is it two percent? I don't know. I, I that's why I'm curious. I, I want to know how far or how close this is to being considered non-alcoholic. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like one percent. Um, and is, that this was uh, okay. So it's there. it's point five percent. So this is. Only four times more alcoholic than a non-alcoholic beer. Well, yeah, coming off some of these that we've had that are eight, nine, ten percent, this is gonna just literally be like drinking juice. So that's true. There's one that I've considered bringing that's nine point six. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. good, good times. Um, yeah, this is really good. I tried the raspberry one as well, and uh, it the flavor isn't as strong as the lemon. It doesn't like hit you in the face like lemon flavor does but it's still really good i think a lot of um artificial raspberry flavors are a little aggressive uh, because it's just kind of a more sour berry but uh this one i mean it's uh, naturally flavored so makes sense that it would be a little more realistic to what raspberry actually is well once i finish this uh this lemon one i'm gonna crack open the raspberry and uh, we'll have to check back in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, with that, why don't we get into what we have been playing lately? Um, and I am curious to start with Garrett because I see some very exciting things in his list. Yes. Um, well, uh, talking about F1, uh, well, I've been doing a lot of driving in the real world this week for work. Um, <laughs> lots so and naturally, lots of driving. When well, you're home and just want to relax and do something else. Well, I, I, I happened to travel down to my friends uh, yesterday, and uh, he is big into into racing, so much so that he has purchased long ago the um, the Hori Ferrari-branded race wheel for his Xbox. Oh, and awesome. And so it's the force feedback wheel. It's got paddle shifters, um, and it's got uh, regular pedals. Uh, and it all hooks up and, and, uh, he has this whole rig set up so that it doesn't slide and, 
Um, it doesn't sit on your lap. He's got metal bars and everything for it. And uh, anyway, he goes, hey, I'm going to teach you how to play F1. And I was like, oh, goody, because my only experience <laughs> with playing F1 games is never being able to go straight. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, in this one, it was uh, F1 2019, which I believe is a Codemasters developed game published by yes. EA. They have all been Codemasters games. Um, yeah. I forget when they started being published by EA and not being self-published, but I know that was a recent-ish change. Um, but yeah, uh, I played a little bit of 2019. I believe that was the first one that I played, um, and I uh, have played played more of that than 2020, which I've kind of just barely scraped the surface of and mostly just did some, like, uh, short time trials just to kind of get a sense for the tracks. Um, 2020 was a really interesting, weird F1 video game because the game and its track selection was finalized before uh, COVID happened and totally restructured the F1 calendar. So there are a bunch of races like um, the Thailand circuit, uh, has never been raced bef- raced on before by anyone, and that's still true, but it's in F1 2020 because it was on the calendar uh, before it got canceled. Uh, and so there are some really interesting tracks on there that uh, you would not find, uh, say, in the 21, 2021 game that's coming out soon uh, because they got canceled. Well, as mentioned in a previous episode, I I don't usually play like sim racing games, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm playing it and I was able to go straight this time. He gave me some pointers and some tips <laughs> and and was like, OK, we were we were I was in one of the, the Red Bull sponsored cars on the Red Bull cool. track. And he. Hey, yeah. He, Austria. Perfect. Yeah. So he, he knew the he knew the, the way the track was, but he didn't know how to communicate to me like the lingo and like what I should be doing. And so uh, I would just spin out all the time and then I'd watch him play and I'd watch his feet and I'd watch his hands. And I'm like, everything that you're telling me to do is the opposite of what you're doing with your body. <laughs> so I, I like, I don't understand. So I, I, I was able to do some corner uh, cornering and I was able to do a whole lap without using the rewind mechanic, which I was Yay. pretty proud of to which he goes, oh, yeah, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty with no assists and no anything with, like, real wear. So anytime you go off the track, it's going to fuck up your tires and then going to affect your turning and all this other stuff. So I'm like, thanks. Thanks for throwing me into the the deep end. And I was just trying to, like, find an analogy. And I'm like, well, this is this is why he doesn't play fighting games, right? Because I constantly talk about fighting games and I go against somebody who who's never played before and I try to teach them and there's this entire lexicon, uh, you know, of, of terms, uh, but also techniques and execution and timing and practice. Uh, plus, I'm used to playing with a controller and it's completely different when you play with that force feedback wheel. Like, it makes your brain do weird things when you're trying to correct, uh, like, an understeer or an oversteer. Um, but... I, yeah. I, I could... when when you have those assists off, you get that a lot. Like understeer and oversteer happen all the time in F1 cars because they're so light uh, and they have so much power that uh, you you just have to learn how to manage it and kind of minimize it. And like they mm-hmm. F1 cars are very weird and very different from road cars in a lot of ways, but one of them um, is that you do not have anti lock brakes uh, and nor do you have power steering. 
which the latter isn't as much a, a big deal in the video games because it's it, it's just turning a steering wheel. It's not uh, going to present the kind of physical challenge. But um, but those sort of amenities are kind of gone, and uh, and so that's probably why you were having such a rough time. Is that most racing games are in regular street cars or at least something closer to it that has anti-lock brakes. And the moment you turn the steering wheel, like while you're braking, you have destroyed your tires. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I learned. Um, but it's, it's something where it's interesting. And I think that I would give it another shot if I was playing on a, uh, on like a rig like that again with a force feedback steering wheel, it wasn't, it's just not my cup of tea. Like it was really fun having that interactive experience, but to, to kind of contrast that with a road car, we turned on uh, Forza Motorsport 7, uh, which I had, I had never played before. And we played on the same track, uh, but I played in a Civic Type R <laughs> going much <laughs> <Nice>. slower. <laughs> yeah. And um, I immediately noticed the difference, right? Because uh, just the the power between an F1 car and a Civic Type R yeah. is, is different. So it was much slower. And I felt like, oh, because I, I kind of knew the course going three two, two or three times faster <laughs> yeah um i was able to navigate it a little better and it was more enjoyable to me because i was picking things up but also i went hey i'm not playing on the hardest difficulty uh i'm gonna play with like the braking the the they have like braking assist uh so it actually shows you lines uh, on the course of when you should break to like yes. help you learn the course faster which was really nice because and I think that's the critical thing when you're first playing a game like this uh, or even just first playing a track is to turn that that racing line on because if you're not familiar with like the way that race circuits work, uh, finding the racing line is something that you don't even have the skills to do. It's like uh, to make a fighting game analogy, it's like trying to put together a combo without having access to any frame data or like training mode <laughs> and you're just kind of yeah. like i'm gonna figure out my bread and butter combos just by fighting people on the internet like no oh it, and playing f1 i was just slamming into walls and it does like a very like it, it grays out kind of like in grand theft auto when you die <laughs> it's like wasted it just yeah. like your car <laughs> folds like a paper crane and then your wheels come up and i'm like i probably died like if this was real <laughs> life i crash into the side of a wall going 160 miles an yeah. hour you would be you would be astonished how safe those things are uh, these days. Uh, it w it takes pretty dram a pretty dramatic confluence of events for even injury, like sustained injury, to happen. Well, um, don't they have like the titanium halos that come up like from the top and around? I don't know if they're titanium, but yeah, I believe they're carbon fiber, carbon like fiber. the rest of the car. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the halos halos are amazing uh, and. Uh, so did you have halos in the 2019 game? Yes, there were halos. Okay. So I think another that was thing... new in 19. Uh, it might have been new in 2018, but it's it's a relatively recent addition to the sport. Well, I, I was like, man, it's so distracting to have this thing in the middle of your vision. So that was another thing, you know, because I because I is funny because yeah. I, I don't notice it at all. It, because yeah. it's so completely out of the way of anything you're actually looking at because you're yeah. looking for the apexes of the corners uh which are on the on the road on either side of that halo so it, uh, it doesn't even uh register to me uh, another cool thing that they do in the f1 broadcasts that they also echo at least in the 2020 game which is the one i've played most recently is uh putting hud elements on the the halo 
Uh, and so using it basically as a little little uh, heads up display about some of the information that isn't uh, isn't just shown on your steering wheel like like most of it is. Um, but yeah, another thing I'll say, uh, I, I don't want to bog us down in too much F1 talk, but uh, F1 2019 introduced uh, a career mode that starts with a lower category with GP2 uh or formula two uh and uh and so it starts you out driving on these tracks in slower cars um and also in spec cars that are exactly the same as all of the other cars on the track which is not true in regular f1 uh including in the video game so it it kind of eases you into it in in a bit of uh, a way but it's definitely not as easing into it as a civic well i really uh, missed an opportunity to call that formula junior <laughs> Well, I uh, after Forza Motorsport Seven, which was a much more enjoyable experience to me because I was able to like pick it up, and it, it's not all about winning, uh, like I've talked about. <laughs> it was just like I did not like failing over and over. Little did I know I was playing on the hardest difficulty later, which That's happens wild. to me. Um, and I completed <laughs> a lap, and then I was like, "Holy shit! I completed a lap! Like I I can't believe I did that." But uh, then I uh, tried a third racing game, uh, Forza Horizon 4, which I had played just a very yeah. little bit. And I played it with a steering wheel and it was it was really, really, really fun. Um, and then I tried it back with a controller. And I, and I think as far as any racing games go, that one to me was the most fun because I feel like there's a lot of, for, for me, a more casual racing, not even a racing fan, just casual car person i it was just fun it was way more arcadey way more forgiving and uh just more my taste and then yeah yeah and that uh echoes all of our thoughts i think from our e3 episode where we were all excited for five right yeah yeah and horizon yeah horizon four is great all of the Horizon games do this, but 4 is particularly good at giving you a wide variety of things to do. So there are like drift challenges, uh, and there's one particularly fun series of challenges that puts you in classic cars from classic car video games. And so uh, you you have this this co-pilot who uh, is passenger who wants to like ride in all these cars because she's a huge racing video game fan, and she'll like sing the daytona song uh as you're driving <laughs> in one of the the cars from that game uh and it's it's just a really fun uh it, you can tell that playground really loves video games and car video games in particular and that horizon series is just a a love letter to to that where the motorsport series is a little more of a love letter to people who will like tune their car and go out to tracks on the weekends and and go drive around yeah i I definitely see myself playing horizon 4 maybe dabbling a little more into motorsport 7 and probably never touching f1 2019 again which Um, which is a shame i i think you should give it a try especially when 2021 comes out because they they put a lot of love into those games and they have a pretty wide variety of assists uh, that would make it a lot less frightening and give you a little more of a uh, an understanding of why I love the sport so much. Well, what he's meaning is he's not going to touch 2019 because I gave him a code for 2020, so he's got it. Oh, yeah, oh there you go. I haven't redeemed that, have I? <laughs> yeah. 2020 is cool, and I think... You should check out 2020 if only because some of those tracks are really weird and really mm-hmm. fun. Um, Play with your uh, flight stick. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that, oh that's that's kind of the thing, too. So, I mean, I got into in an earlier episode, I talked about getting into Elite Dangerous and I didn't really dive into it until I got a throttle and a flight stick because playing mouse and keyboard like that control scheme wasn't immersive for me. Playing with a controller wasn't immersive for me. And the reason that I say I'm less less likely to touch F1 or Motorsport 7 is because part of it is that simulation. And yes, you can play it casually with a controller, but I think that a lot of the enjoyment that I get out of it is playing, playing it with like simulation type gear, because it feels like you actually get the feel of the car. And I know that modern controllers do a lot to, you know, assist with that or try to make the force feedback feel real, like the grip on the tires and everything with the adaptive triggers. But, um, Unless I really get into racing, I don't see myself doing it without a steering wheel. And I think that something that I could play more casually in like an arcade capacity uh, would be for Horizon 4. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a racing fan. I mean, I definitely learned a lot and I was like, this is pretty cool. But I'm not, I don't think that I'm somebody who is going to get really into it. My brother-in-law is trying to get me to do autocross uh, in my uh, Honda Fit. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> that, that's just not me. Um, that's but given the opportunity, like obviously when I go down south, he's got that rig. Then you know I'll, I'll try it and, and I'll try to get better at it. But yeah, it was a fun experience and and out of my normal gaming comfort zone. So it was it was very interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. All righty. Um, well, Zach, I have a feeling that our uh, our segments are gonna be relatively similar because we've been playing a decent amount of the same stuff. They cross over a little bit. Even our even our collecting crosses over, which I guess <laughs> I could start there. And uh, yeah, this is a fun little story, which is that uh, after watching E3, I said, I mean, I was already planning on it, but it kind of jumped the timetable up. Of oh man, I really need to get a Series X. Yeah, and, and and same same for me. I was uh, I think I've mentioned this in an earlier episode where I was kind of just waiting for more exclusives to come around. Like I knew I really wanted to play the medium, but that wasn't enough to convince me to get it immediately. And then that press conference convinced me to get one immediately. Yep. I feel yeah. betrayed that you guys don't give me enough credit for manipulating you into getting Xbox Series X's. Oh, you're well, definitely a big part of of jumping up the timetable too. <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned before that if given the choice of getting an Xbox or a PS5, I would have got the Xbox first. I just couldn't get one, so I I was yeah. able to get a PS5 uh, thanks to Nick, and so I I got one. But um, I I was watching some Twitter posts of of like restock alerts and happened to see right at the moment that it was posted that Amazon had some in stock, and so I went and I bought one, and. Uh, and it's coming Monday, so I'm very excited for yeah. that. And uh, and then m- meanwhile, yeah. uh, the retail store that I work at got a whole bunch of all the consoles uh, on uh, on Friday yesterday, uh, as of recording. And so I got mine, uh, and I have it in hand. And got it and first. Zach's still waiting. Bastard. <laughs> and I ordered <laughs> yeah. mine on Tuesday. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, Amazon's two-day Prime delivery let me down. It was supposed to come Thursday, but it didn't even ship until Thursday. Yeah. So, I imagine the Prime Day volume of orders probably oh, yeah. uh, messes with that. I mean, I'm not particularly worried about it. I got free shipping on it, so that's you know that's something. But you're yeah. very wor- worried. I can see you sweating, Zach. Yeah, that's the heat. <laughs> that's I'm why. actually taking my shirt off. So uh, <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, we need to make this a video podcast. Maybe we can get get a few dollars coming in. <laughs> start, start an OnlyFans account. Uh, <laughs> Zach only has fans. He has no AC. Hey. 
Uh, at least up here, and the fan is off. <laughs> yeah. For 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 the listener's sake, so they don't. We hear yeah, we suffer for re- background. We suffer for audio quality. Um, but as far as playing goes, um, yeah, collecting wise, I'm bought anything else because i just spent 500 dollars on an xbox so uh, <laughs> yeah that's gonna be it for me for a while light, light for a little while but uh for playing i finished up final fantasy 10 um it was yeah i mean i don't know that i have too much more to say about it that i haven't already said there's a lot to like about the game there's a lot to dislike about the game it 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 was fun it was enjoyable i think i played about 30 hours was my play time so yeah and I picked it up again. Um, we'll get to this. Well, yeah, we'll get to what caused me to pick it up again. Uh, the clearing of my slate of uh, portable games. But um, I think I'm about 10 hours in. I picked up a save that I had that was about seven hours in um, from, I think, about five years ago. Oh, wow. uh, and <laughs> I remember enough of the early part of that game well enough because I'd played it two or three times that... I uh, figured I'll just pick it up from here and and skip a lot of that early stuff, like having to play Blitzball and all that. So I I picked up right around um, uh, if if you recall where where it is the the big um, uh, attempt to lure Sin in and shoot a bunch of cannons at it mm-hmm. that failed yeah, horribly. Mu- mushroom Rock. Yeah. So yeah. so that's. Um, that's about where, like, not long before that is where I picked up. Okay. Uh, and I've gotten uh, an hour or two further further than that now. And I am really loving it. I forgot how much nostalgia and affection I have for Ten, And, like, these characters and this combat system, the way that you can swap your characters out of the in and out of the party at will. Like, most battles I'm using almost the entire party. It's it's really great how the combat lets you. I think we maybe mentioned this before, but it, it you know exactly when each character is going to act because it's on the screen in in this turn order that's uh, visibly yeah. displayed. And so if you're you're like, oh, the enemy is going to act next turn, I need to heal. Let me go ahead and swap in Yuna so I can get some healing done. You know, and, yeah, or uh, swap out the vulnerable character yeah, or, just in or case that, they get yeah. targeted. So uh, there, there's a lot of strategy involved with the turn-based combat, which um, it, I think is more so than a lot of games. An issue that I had with the game was the the actual sphere grid itself was it. There's a lot of times it feels so unnecessary. It's like this could like I'm leveling up. Just give me like the plus two speed. Like why do I have to spend the time to put this you know item here to to unlock it? I don't know because. It se- it just seems unnecessary. A lot of the time, it is a pretty linear path too. Um, yeah, like there there are times when it's it opens up, but most of that is later in the game. Um, and to be fair, we're both playing with the regular American uh, for normies sphere grid system, and I'd be curious <laughs> to go back and try it with the um, the more open ended one, the international one. Yeah, yeah, but just play uh, twelve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just play twelve. It's pretty. It's almost the same. There are some key differences, but it's much more open ended in that one. Yeah, the the system in twelve is drastically different, though, and I don't think I connect. Well, I know I don't connect with that that system as well because I tried to start twelve instead of ten uh, after finishing nine, uh, and it it really didn't grab me uh, from the start. I'll go back to it eventually, but I think I want to finish ten first and. Uh, get that sort of breath of nostalgia and also to have uh, have the same sort of experience that Zach just had so we can talk about it. 
I really look forward to um, potentially hearing you have the same rage moments that I had, which is <laughs> some of these bosses are really fucking hard. And, and they take forever. They like, take forever, and you have to watch cutscenes beforehand that are unskippable. And so, like, yeah. you save right before the boss fight, thinking, okay, this will, this will be fine if I lose. But then you have to watch 10 minutes of cutscenes before you can fight them again. So, like, there were times when I would just, I would lose the fight, I would reload and go start the cutscene and just put my Vita down and walk away until <laughs> until the fight started yeah. because I was so irritated. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll get there, uh, definitely. But yeah, it's been it's been enjoyable getting back to it, and especially because it feels so much snappier than nine. I mean, again, we'll get to it later, but um, it's uh, it's fun to to go back to this game that was my first Final Fantasy and actually try to finish it this time. The other thing, speaking of first Final Fantasies, I went and started, uh, finally, uh, to appease Garrett, I started <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. They just Man, this episode the... is yeah. really just... Me. We're, we're finally well, listening to me, Garrett. So. <laughs> yeah, I bought it for... Zach was like, man, I really want this game last year because it came out pretty close to your birthday like about a month or so ahead of time yeah right and and i was like done man like this game is awesome i'd already beaten it by the time zach was like i haven't had time to play it and and i don't know if i'm gonna pick it up yet and i was like happy early birthday and i got it for him and it went on his shelf it went (laughs) on the it went on the zach shelf went into never went into purgatory and was never (laughs) played and he keeps talking about all these games he's like oh the ps5 patch is coming out i can finally play it my procrastination helped me (laughs) excuses yeah Yeah. excuses well it did pay (laughs) off once once the uh so i I finished 10 and then i think it was either the day before i finished or the day after they released the seven uh final fantasy 7 remake ps5 patch and so I started that up, and I'm um, not too terribly far in yet. I'm chapter seven and about seven hours playtime, a little under seven hours playtime. Yeah. And, and uh, that's that's just about exactly where I am, too. I at least played about five hours of it before I uh, before I put it down to wait for the PS5 patch. Um, but I have to say it looked so incredible, even on PS4 and even on my base PS4, that I'm sure it looks drastically better but it looks so good i I don't remember what it looked like when i played it a little bit before but yeah it looks so good then too so i i it is reminding me of how it looked before but it's also uh entirely possible that that's just six months of uh memory erosion (laughs) i'm not totally in love with the combat system um i do like it i just yeah, it, it's hard it, for me to because in my brain I'm like this is Final Fantasy VII. I want that combat, but I know that it would be terrible. And you can sort of switch it to that, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. well, have you tried the classic mode? I, I never did. No, I, I I figured I'd play it with the new combat. So if you play with the classic mode, because I, I tried both, and uh, having never played actually properly played seven, I. It, it, it was so slow, and some of the fights are really, really long in in seven, um, depending on difficulty and how much you grind and and explore. Uh, I could never imagine doing it where it pauses in between each action. Like that would just drive oh, me. It would make yeah. the game go from like thirty hours to like sixty or seventy hours just because of the combat, and because combat is so frequent in that game, it, it would just. It, it was made for the action one. If people don't have the reflexes i think that it's like a it's a really good option an accessibility option almost to do that but 
man, it is slow. The combat's interesting because it's, in a lot of ways, it's just almost button mashing. It's There's not, like, a lot of depth to it for a lot of encounters. You know, when you get to boss fights, that changes. But for just your general, every, you know, generic dudes, it's, let me smash square a bunch of times. Let me hold square. Okay, let me, uh, you know, use an ability real quick. And then, okay, and yeah. then we move on. But and, and each character, each playable character has something a little uh, bit of a twist to regular attacks uh, that comes with triangle. Uh, yeah. Like Cloud switches stances to a more damaging but less mobile um, mode that also <laughs> auto guards attacks, which is pretty cool. Let, um, let me tell you that I, I uh, apparently missed the tooltip that said when you're in Punisher mode, if you uh, if you dodge, it'll kick you out back to operator mode. And I didn't I couldn't figure <laughs> out why I kept getting switched back. I was like, what is going on? And uh, I looked it up, and there was, I guess, at some point it tells you that, but I missed, I either just missed it, it entirely or I forgot. I don't know. Well, well, that wraps up this week's episode of Zach Didn't Read the Tutorial. <laughs> yes. More on more of this next week where I'm sure there will be another one. Um, there always is. I hate tutorials. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I... I've uh, really been clicking with the 7 remake combat system uh, now that I'm going back to it and have played another hour or two of it um, because it it has a lot of elements of Final Fantasy games that I like a lot. Like it, it has some of the pacing of 15's combat that's very action-oriented, but it also has the stagger concept from 13 of... A basically a pressure bar that's building up underneath your uh, your opposing enemy characters, and once it hits the top, they uh, enter a mode for a little while that causes them to take extra damage. And so, like Cloud in particular, has a special attack that he can use when you've done enough uh, regular attacks to fill up your ATB gauge. Uh, that is focused on adding stagger and there's another one that's that is just damage and so you kind of want to tactically use those to maximize the damage especially on bosses like you said the bosses are definitely the most interesting combat encounters and everything else you kind of don't have to worry about the mechanics but the bosses you definitely have to be pretty familiar with the way the combat works to really succeed I will say, speaking of just random dudes, there's this flamethrower enemy, and <laughs> I was distracted while playing, and my uh, son was walking around, and he was trying to talk to me, so I was like only half paying attention, and ended up wiping, because I had three people just standing in front of him, just getting <laughs> flamethrowed to death, and I went, I looked away for a second, I looked back, and I'm like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those flamethrower enemies are tough, too. They take a lot of damage to put down, and they kind of stagger you out of attacks a little bit when you're uh when you're in their yeah. their stream so you kind of have to dodge around and, and get around him well i'm sure we'll talk about this more as i as i play through it uh, over the coming weeks but my last thing i want to mention about it is that the voice acting is fantastic oh, everybody it's so good. is great every character is great uh, and but like... i particularly love barrett's voice actor it's he's so <laughs> over the top and amazing i love it it's he's great. he's so good and there's a point where he even like is excited about something so he says this this calls for a song and he <laughs> sings the the final fantasy you won combat song yeah like it's... the victory fanfare song it's great 
Uh, yeah, Barrett's amazing. My favorite might be Jesse, a character who is basically a nothing character in the original. I mean, most of the Avalanche were basically nothing in the original. Yeah, you could tell. They're super fleshed out in this. Yeah, you could tell who the red shirts were, but like Biggs and Wedge are real characters, and so is Jesse, and they're all great. And I, uh, I, I want jesse to be able to be with cloud but also she's too good for him so (laughs) (laughs) well uh Uh, that wraps it up for what i've got for this week uh nick what about you besides what you've already mentioned yeah uh to to finally get to it i uh finished final fantasy 9 um i played welcome to the co-ops final fantasy cast yeah, I'll I'll try to keep this relatively brief. Uh, I I enjoyed nine a lot. There are a lot of things that I did not like about it, um, uh, and some some of them are would be alleviated by playing in in the moment and having a little more patience, or in the in the moment of release, I should say, uh, and having a little more patience for taking your time and learning through failure. But there are a lot of mechanics in that game that are specifically. Uh, incentivizing you to go into situations with foreknowledge, uh, whether that be through a guide or through trial and error. But um, between your main character being a thief class type character and um, as as such stealing being a pretty important part of the game and letting you kind of uh, jumpstart your character progression through stealing important equipment early, uh, if you know what bosses and enemies have the good equipment um and uh the way that abilities work in this game uh they when you equip equipment you uh each equipment piece has abilities on it um uh like say a uh, a rod for vv might have uh, a fire spell on it that's just fire or fire or whatever um and it would also have like mp up 10 percent uh and while you are using that rod uh vv can cast that spell um using mana because it's an active ability and you can spend this currency of stones uh to equip a certain number of the passive abilities and each ability has a um uh a cost in stones so the better ones are are more expensive um such as the ones that let you counter attacks uh with your your melee characters um and different characters have different uh uh arrays of abilities that they can learn so you can still equip uh gear to a character that can't learn any abilities from it or can't learn all the abilities from it they just won't start learning those abilities and then in combat you'll earn xp but you'll also earn ap which is applied toward a little bar that fills up on those abilities uh and when that fills up you don't need to have it have that item equipped to to use that ability but a lot of those abilities are things that like nullify status effects uh for example and stuff that's pretty situational and that you would really need to know if it's going to matter going into an encounter like a boss fight. Um, 10, 10 has a lot of that too. Um, you'll, it you'll does. You'll run across that. 
Yeah, like I just went through the Thunder Plains where there are a lot of Thunder enemies, and so um, hope you that... have Thunder Ward or Thunderproof on your ability on your armor, right? <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense because that's re- reasonable. But um, like you would know that you're in an area with a lot of of Thunder stuff, and you can learn that. But this is just like boss fights. This one randomly uses the the heat up. Uh, status effect that will just kill you in a few turns and if you don't have uh, body temperature uh, equipped then you're just all gonna die really fast um or if you don't oh, have the lizard <laughs> yeah um or uh there is one particular area in the game which has enemies that'll petrify you and if all party members are petrified then you just lose because it is not a status effect that cures on its own um, so there's some frustrating stuff where you kind of have to know going in which abilities to equip. Um, and also kind of getting to the, the abilities thing, um, the way that the game is paced as far as what characters you have access to and what char- what abilities you have access to is a little bit strange where you spend about the first half of the game, um, mostly without a white mage in your party or without anyone with real healing effects. Um, And right about the time when you start getting healers in your party again is the time when auto potion shows up as an ability that you can (laughs) learn uh, (laughs) on gear. And so that would have been really nice to have a few hours earlier uh, showing up on armor to get you through this time before you have a real healer. Um, and then it's still early enough in the game where Gil is an issue. Uh, and so it's still like, there's still some push and pull and some tactics to it, but it would at least be a little more manageable than having to use actions in combat to use uh, use potions. So some of the pacing like that is a little weird, but I, uh, and to, to get to my last complaint, it's very sluggish. And this is something that's true even even in the Switch and other uh, ports is uh, you can you can advance the time and make it go quickly, but still there's a lot of delay between when you tell a character to do something and when they'll actually complete that action uh, because there's so much animation going on and it's so overloading the capabilities of the PS1 um, that it... It just doesn't feel as immediate as uh, even 10, which with its true turn-based system, um, it it doesn't feel like you're losing out on things. With you explaining everything, I was at first, I'm like, what is he talking about? And then I came to the realization that after I played that game, all of that knowledge voided my brain. <laughs> and then you talking about it gives me a little bit of anxiety of remembering having to go through <laughs> the pause menu and like unequip and reequip and okay do they have these skills equipped do they have these skills okay which boss am i going to fight so yeah i uh yeah uh, it's, why it's a, it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot to deal with ptsd thanks <laughs> Um, but, but that said, I, I think it's worth it. And especially with the assists that you get in the, the modern re-release versions, um, where you can like set all your characters health to refill and, um, have all your attacks do, um, 
9999 damage um and if you can use those to blitz through the parts that frustrate you i think this is a story that's absolutely worth seeing through and i've complained on this podcast before about some of the characters like zidane and like i really love zidane coming out of this game and garrett you told me that that would be true and uh i had a hard time believing it but yeah all of these characters develop really well some of the best character development in the series um I think this is my favorite podcast that we've recorded. I just yeah. get so many compliments today. Yeah, Garrett, it is it is really a love letter to Garrett and also a uh, Garrett gets to say I told you so. We're we're catching up to Garrett and we're playing games he's played and it's it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, the the Final Fantasy expert himself. Mm. Oh, how the turntables have turned. Yeah. And uh <laughs> uh so that's that's my my piece on Final Fantasy IX. You should check it out. Um, if nothing else, uh, it was just announced that there is an animated series being developed uh, a- adapting Final Fantasy IX, and you should check that out because I think the story and the characters are really the core of what I like about the game, and you could probably get a lot of it out of that. Um, but uh, so yeah, I got a, an Xbox Series X, uh, and I will touch on this more later. Um, because I haven't finished it yet, but I played a bunch of the medium, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, it is the kind of game that can't really hold, uh, hold up the title of this is your only big exclusive title. Cause it's kind of niche. It's very slow. Uh, it's a walk around and click on objects adventure game, but it has really interesting tone. Um, and especially through the uh, the system that uh, Garrett had mentioned of uh, the screen splitting from time to time and showing two different versions of the same world. That tech is really cool. And the visual design of both sides is really cool. It's this like you are exploring this dilapidated Polish resort, basically. Um, and you are in in the real world doing that, but you also have a version of yourself in the spirit world, seeing the remnants and resonance of ghosts of people who were here at a rough time. Um, and it's a very cool game that I look forward to uh, getting back to, and kind of like Final Fantasy VII Remake or a lot of games we've talked about, the voice performances are exceptional and really kind of elevate it beyond uh, what it could be if it didn't have such quality voice acting. Um, and the other thing I'll touch on briefly uh, that also we'll get to more next week when I play more of it, because I've had a very busy uh, couple of weeks and haven't gotten a ton of chance to play games, um, is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Uh, it looks a, very cool. It does. And looks is a great word to start with because that is by far the best looking video game I've ever seen. It is wow. like the particle effects are incredible. Um, the The graphical detail is amazing. It has a cartoony art style, which isn't necessarily my favorite, but it, it like does exceptionally at that. Um, there is a graphics mode that is 60 frames per second with ray tracing. Um, and hmm. it, it has a, a lower resolution. It's like barely above 1080. Uh, I want to say, but it's still like the fact that they manage that like 1080 plus 60 frames per second ray tracing is just unbelievable. Um, and yeah, I, wa- I watched a tiny bit of gameplay from it and it looks like you're playing a Pixar movie. 
It does. And it and it does things that video games shouldn't be able to do, um, which like the trailer for this game is what sold me on getting a PS5 and sold me on the tech idea behind this new generation in general, because the the kind of big innovation that makes a difference with the PS5 and Series X is that they have these incredibly fast standardized uh, solid state drives as their hard drives. And so loading times are not really a thing anymore um, because the uh, memory access speed is so fast. And what Ratchet and Clank did with that in the trailer and this moment shows up in a uh, pretty early in the game too, but uh, you are thrown through some portals in quick succession with no load times, jumping between different, entirely different environments um every like 15 seconds is a totally new environment with no load times and uh it it's just like jaw-dropping if you are familiar with how video games work and how how many like little tight tunnels and crawl spaces are built into games so that they have time to hide the load times i think one of the most impressive things about this game is uh, actually uh, something I saw on Twitter, which is that apparently Insomniac did not crunch when making this game. Yes, that is incredible. And I, I just finished reading Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, um, which is and really I'm reading excellent. reading his second book, Press Reset, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I highly recommend that book. I know Zach has recommended it before, but it is about the development stories of 10 different video games and uh he even says it himself in the introductory section the common theme among all of these stories is crunch is like people working 100 hour work weeks for months at a time if not longer uh to to get these games done and the idea of a game this incredible uh and like it's fun too it's it's uh it's fun to play and um the the writing and the voice performances are really good jennifer hale plays out of type as a sort of like um chipper spunky um uh like sort of counterpart to ratchet is amazing but everything about this game is great and the fact that they could make it and make such a technical showpiece without having to push themselves beyond um beyond what uh what humans should normally be able to do in a work week <laughs> pretty amazing what, what do you think of the actual uh gameplay is it so i've i've ne- i know what the ratchet games are i've never actually played one but does it is it faithful to the old ones or have they updated much it it is and i i have found those games kind of unsatisfying in the past at times um like the the combat has felt unsatisfying because it it generally takes a decent number of shots to kill things. It is of the Halo school and not the Call of Duty school, um, and uh, and so I I think especially that first PS3 one really turned me off because it felt so unsatisfying because they didn't build. Um, uh, rumble into it because there wasn't rumble oh, in that first yeah, that's uh, right. on the six uh, axis right on the six axis so um what this is can you remind me why, why that was i can't re- i remember there was a reason was it like they didn't pay the people who made rumble for it or something i 
I don't remember exactly what it was. I feel like the excuse that they gave was that they were busy developing the tech for the six axis motion controls and or that the mm-hmm. tech was getting in the way of fitting rumble in. Oh, yeah, because everyone well, loved the motion controls on the six-axis. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then remember, too, that to everyone's uh, outcry, the boomerang-shaped controllers that first uh, debuted oh, with the PS3, oh, like, yeah. when well, they first showed it, it was like, Ugh. I had forgotten those existed, yeah. Oh. It just, it's the boomerang. It was boomerang controllers, and the second thing was the, the clearly lifted Spider-Man 3 title. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the place in the font. like, we own this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they stole it from themselves, but still, like, I mean, you're just yeah. making people think of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the, the controllers, the boomerangs, they should have made them into like Green Goblin uh, gliders, and then it, the theme would have been complete. <laughs> Gosh, but. Yeah, speaking of controllers, the controller is the thing that makes the combat in this game feel as good as it does uh, and feel as satisfying as it does because it uses the haptic feedback and even like the controller speaker really well. Um, I haven't gotten to anything that particularly uh, interfaces with the um, adaptable triggers yet, or at least I haven't noticed it. Um but I'm sure there will be weapons later on where the trigger resistance changes and and matters. Um, when you but... when you said the speaker, I forgot that there's a speaker on the controller, as I do every <laughs> time I use it, until it says something to me, and I go, "Huh, where'd yeah. that come from?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the main thing that it does for for me is uh, when I queue up for a dungeon in Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, when when it finds a party and we're is... ready, bitch. <laughs> yeah. What, That's exactly what... what it said. How did you know, Zach? You haven't even played. Exactly. It it has this really loud, uh, like ding sound that that plays through the controller speaker. So I can just walk away from the TV and be in the other room, and uh, and it'll blast that notification whenever. It's like it's one ready. of those wafers you get when you go to a restaurant and you're waiting in line. You're like here you go. Here's your your hockey puck that'll alert you when your table's ready. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. your fun little cup holder with lights and vibrators in it. <laughs> Good times. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry to uh, run my mouth about all these things, but I uh, look forward to doing that more next week when I will hopefully have finished both of those games. Well, we had a little extra to talk about this week because we did the E3 one last week, so makes True. sense. And uh, so normally we do a question of the episode. We are running long, so we aren't going to... Uh, burden you with that uh, but uh, soonish we'll do a questions episode because we have a lot of great questions and um, not to give away too much but the one that we were going to do is a really interesting one and I think we could talk about for a whole half hour on our own so yeah yeah I feel like <laughs> that one we would do it a disservice if we tried to jam it into this episode absolutely I'll say I have uh seven responses to this episode <laughs> written down so you need to pick one i know i know i, I had four <laughs> i narrowed it down to two so yeah you need to pick one yeah okay. i did pick one i have one. Oh, fine um but an- anyway we'll appease me the- <laughs> we'll leave you in that suspense um And we'll be leaving you in that suspense for a little bit longer because the next episode you hear uh, should finally be our Killer7 way too late review 
um, our special feature episode about Killer and, Seven and that... way too late release because we promised it like a month ago. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> um, I but... said sometime in June. Yeah, things happen. Uh, at least one of us uh, came up with both grad school and a crippling MMO addiction. And so uh, things got a little bit off track, but we mm, are getting that? back to it. Um, speaking of socials, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and occasionally Twitch at Cohops Podcast. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Zach? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach has no pants. I have an Instagram by the same name that has zero posts and no profile pictures. So don't go there. Great. <laughs> How about you, Garrett? Uh, at gmank 16 on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and I am at Nicholas.Prinzing on Instagram and at nprinzing on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening and tune in next week for a very special episode. I'm going to go melt now. Yes, we're all going to become sweaty puddles. <laughs> and on that bombshell of a mental image, good night.